What's on to what matters? It's Tracy Mack on Newcastle in the Morning, only on Newcastle Live. It is time for Legally Blonde and she joins us in the studio today, which is quite exciting. Good morning and welcome, Lauren O'Brien. Good morning, Tracy Mack. How are you? Well, I just did a lovely walk-in to the studio today. It's lovely to be back in the studio. It's lovely, isn't it? It's nice to see people. I'm just so excited. Yeah. It's wonderful. Now, we're going to be talking about Jared Hayne today. Um, obviously, we're due to see a third trial now, a retrial. Um, we've been through lots and lots of processes with him. Where are we at at the moment? Give me the current situation. Well, you're right. Mr. Hayne has um, a third trial listed. So he made an application to have that trial moved from Sydney, which is where it's listed at the moment, um, up to Newcastle. Sydney District Court Judge James Bennett's reasons for rejecting the application were suppressed um, for legal reasons, so we don't mm. know. But Mr Hayne had posited he, quote, simply wants his trial to be conducted in Newcastle, end quote. So his reasons weren't further qualified or explained. Mm. The situation is that nine witnesses, including the complainant, live in Newcastle, but his honour deemed it easy enough for them to travel to Sydney. Um, the Crown, which is the DPP, they argued the high-profile case could have adverse effects on the alleged victim because, quote, Newcastle is a relatively small community. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. it's an interesting point. I mean, look, his, his first, co- first uh, case was a hung jury, mm-hmm. as we know, which is why we went for the second trial. Um, do you think potentially that, uh, I know we can't say this, but uh, is it the potential that it would potentially be a more sympathetic jury up here? Well, I think one of the reasons that often trials are held in cities or areas away from where the crime happened is if you've got somebody as high profile as Mr Hayne, um, the amount of people that might not know the ins and outs at a pretty complex level um, are probably, you're going to get a a jury, a cross-section of 12 people um, that don't have previous knowledge in the way Mm. that we might. Um, so Sydney Downing Centre said that they could accommodate a trial this November or February, but Mr. Hayne has a new barrister. Yes. Ms. Margaret Kinnean, Senior Counsel. Now, she wasn't available then, so the next uh, hole in her diary is March the 6th because it's going to be set down. The estimate is about a three-week trial. So from March the 6th, it's listed... um, for three weeks, mm. it's um, it's going to be quite interesting. I mean, the uh, the appeal came about. Um, you know, his conviction was quashed because of some interesting, uh, very interesting points of law. And uh, and as we've discussed many times with uh, with all of you here on, on Legally Blonde, a lot of these appeals are based on points of law, aren't they? They're they're not a, a guilty or innocent. They're based upon points of law. Um, so that's well, where this one's happened. It can also be yeah. So you can be acquitted. It can be a, a guilty verdict could be quashed, which is what's happened with him. So the Court of Criminal Appeal um, appeal that his legal team put forward was successful. The convictions were quashed and a retrial was ordered there. Now, he he's at liberty now after serving nine months of a minimum three years and eight months term imposed for two charges of sexual intercourse without consent. And in case you're wondering, his master index number is 661736. Now, that's the number that you get when you're a a prisoner. You go into custody, you then get a number. 
Wow. So that just that's just a reality yeah, check. It he, is a reality check. He's got his check. own men. Wow. Um, so in 2020, you're right, Tracy, Newcastle trial number one, jury couldn't reach a verdict, and that's what's known as a hung jury. In 2021, there was the May trial. That was number two, and the jury found him guilty. So at the moment, his bail is $20,000 surety, surrendering his passport, and three weekly reporting. You told me just before we came on air, um, you understand that he's also got a um, a geographical. He's not allowed um, to uh, to head up here, obviously, because the victim is is based up here as well, and he's not uh, he's not permitted permitted to enter Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. Yeah, right. And he lives on the Central Coast. Okay, so he's uh. The, so what were the appeal points? There were four. Um, Mr. Haynes's sentence was five years and nine months, with a non-parole of three years and eight months. Um, we usually say what's on the top, what's on the bottom. So he got five years, nine months on the top, three years, eight months on the bottom. That means if he doesn't, if he was t- serving that term and he didn't have any infractions while he was in there, because you can get in trouble while you're in custody, of course, um, he could be eligible for parole after three years and eight months. So after that, um, basically a few days after that last trial, his legal team um, lodged an appeal. You have 28 days to lodge an appeal. So I just thought I'd explain the mechanism. Mm. So if you get sentenced in the district court, um, you go upstairs to the Supreme Court. Now, there is a court called the Court of Criminal Appeal, which is essentially the the Supreme Court. It's on that level. Um, And the judges are selected from the Chief Justice, Tom Bathurst, the President of the Court of Appeal, Judges of Appeal, the Chief Judge and other nominated judges of the Common Law Division. They're generally heard by three judges, although five may sit when significant legal issues need to be considered. So if the judges don't agree, majority rules. Mm, Okay. So his legal team argued that he should be retried on the basis that it was an error to overturn a ruling from the first trial regarding the complainant's messages with another person being admitted into evidence. And the second argument successfully reached on appeal was that the judge's direction to the jury were, quote, flawed in almost every possible way end quote, when detailing the mental element of the offence. So the judge was Justice Helen Syme. The two other appeals um, grounds were dismissed. One was the jury verdict was unreasonable. That that wasn't, that, that didn't get um, upheld. And the second was it was an error to allow the jury in the second trial to view the complainant's, quote, outburst from the first trial. So she, she said very loudly in court, no means no, left the court very upset and swore at him and just basically mm. um, was extremely emotional. But And that was reported at the time. Yeah. Mm. The three Court of Criminal Appeal judges were um, Chief Justice Tom Bathurst, Justice Helen Wilson and Justice Ian Harrison. So they've decided that two of those points were valid. Um, it could have been that a retrial wasn't set down. Yeah, that, but it has been. That was the DPP's uh, decision there as well, wasn't it? Whether it goes, uh, it goes again, or whether they just go, no, look, two's enough. Yeah, well, they have to. The director would have to consider a lot of things. Um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's using another whole huge amount of resources for a third time. It costs a whole lot of money. Costs costs the state a lot of money, mm. but also someone with a bit of a profile. You know, you're going to have to probably, in the interest of justice and general public's interest. A third trial would seem... Oh, it makes sense. You know, it, it yeah. just makes sense, doesn't I, it? I just think the overwhelming, um, the, the public expects it. Yeah. So Mr Haynes still maintains it was a consensual 
um, interaction that he had with this woman and that he injured her accidentally. Um, now, I, I checked last night in the media, there's a message to the friend that was reported where she said he'd been, quote, so rough that blood started pouring all over the bed because he tore my vagina. So mm. that's a very serious injury. Um, so it'll be up for the mm. this next jury to determine whether that was um, consensual intercourse and it was an accident mm. or whether there was... Maliciousness. Yeah, something mm. else happening there. So so he obviously risks, Lauren, um, going with this third trial, he obviously risks the potential for that jail sentence to be increased, doesn't he? Can they increase the sentence or does the sentence revert back to where we were? Well, you're going to have a different judicial officer. He's already served some time. Um, it'll be up to that judicial officer to to look at all the sentencing principles. It might be a similar sentence. It might be the same sentence. In terms of a longer sentence, it's, it's such a balancing act. So I would not want to even speculate on mm. what that sentence might be. Um, I do know that he appealed the decision um, and I, I didn't – so I don't – think that the DPP appealed the severity of it. So sometimes if you get a sentence, you can appeal that you think it's far too severe mm. and other times the DPP will appeal saying that is manifestly inadequate. Now, they didn't seem to think that that was a manifestly inadequate sentence, which kind of means that's probably a pretty reasonable sentence. Mm. It's um it's a really interesting one and it's going to be one once again that will attract so much attention and it's going to be interesting to to see how they're going to find a jury that doesn't know anything about this. Yeah, well when I was ha having a look last night as well um it's it's open there on the media that you know all of us have google at our fingertips. Mm. It's not the first time these allegations have happened. So there was a first civil claim against Mr. Hayne and there's also another civil claim that's going to run in parallel with this matter, by the way, but it probably won't happen until after the trial's over. Um, but in 2017, a woman commenced civil proceedings in America for sexual battery, battery, gender violence, intentional infliction of emotional distress and negligence over an incident that allegedly happened while Mr. Hayne was playing in the San Francisco 49ers. So that matter was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. Now, usually when you become a jury, the judge will give you directions also before you hear any evidence saying you are not to discuss this with anybody mm. and you are not to use the internet. But... Hmm. It's out there in case. It is. You, you might have heard about it already. Mm. Um, like I've, yeah. you know, we've all heard about that. If we were called to be on the jury, I mm. can't now because I'm a lawyer, but you mm. could. You'd go, look, I just, I, I know a lot about this case. I know mm. Mr. Hain and I've, I've watched it. Yeah. So. I mean, the, the interesting thing about the US was that uh, the woman launched that civil action um, after authorities failed to proceed with uh, with any criminal charges, which is obviously why she went for the civil the civil action. Yeah, and that was for um, her position was that she was blackout drunk when the assault occurred. So, you know, are there um, inferences that can be drawn if somebody's not got criminal charges against them but somebody tries to bring a civil case? If there was nothing in it, would you pay an undisclosed sum or would you just to make it go away? These mm -hmm. things we just don't know. We don't and that's, uh, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's you know. Conjecture. That's exactly right and that's uh, that's all part of uh, part of the process, isn't it? Because he mm. uh, he continues to maintain his uh, his innocence in, in 
both cases. So it's uh, it, it is a tough one. It really is a tough one. And, yeah, it'll and be a good one to keep an eye on, won't it? It really is, and uh, I find it I find it very tough because I I've worked with and I know Jared Hayne quite well, and uh, it really is tough. It, it's it's tough to to correlate um, the case with the person. But anyone's capable of anything. Absolutely. I thought I'd just end on this note. Did you know that Mr. Hayne was incarcerated in Cooma? Cooma's known as the white collar prison. Um, so Her Majesty's service in Cooma includes um, has included inmates such as Eddie O'Bead, mm-hmm. Roger Rogerson, oh God. celebrity drug dealer Richard Buttrose, and former Auburn Deputy Mayor and Property Developer Sally Mahasia. So it's kind of got the rep as the rock star prison. It houses medium to uh, minimum security inmates. But also at Cooma are murderers, child sex offenders, uh, and anyone else that fears their safety in a mainstream prison. I had a client, a bikey client um, in Cooma, and he was there because he'd turned, well, basically he was an informant. Um, and he was... He was in a in a motorcycle club and then he left that motorcycle club. So he ended up in Cooma because it's kind of Switzerland, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different prisons you'll have. <laughs> the Finks in one, Gladiators in another. It's tribal. I think we've said this before. Mm-hmm. Once you're in prison, it's, it's, it's very tribal. tribal. So, yeah, Cooma, that's where he's been. Um, well, he had no Foxtel, which, uh, you know, he complained about at the time that there was no Foxtel, so he couldn't watch the uh, the NRL. Yeah. Well, my sister works in a prison as the education officer and she said it's common when they arrive and they complain that correctives say to them, well, you should have booked a different holiday destination. You should have, yeah. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, I'm a defence lawyer, so I don't want anyone locked up. No, you you don't. I I think a lot more of them, a lot of people that are locked up should really be in a mental facility or getting some help and lots of great veggies and exercise and people loving them and, you know, unicorns and butterflies. But, you know, that's half the problem with the justice system, isn't it, Mm. that we put them in there and and they just, uh, yeah, they don't get better. That's that's the bad thing about our, our justice system, and we could take some lessons from around the world mm. on that one on how that's to look after whole it. I was going to say that's a whole other conversation, blunt, isn't, isn't it? it? Well, look, thank you so much for that. It's uh, it is going to be one that is uh, obviously we've got to wait until March of uh, of twenty twenty three for that. That just sounds ridiculous. Well, he's got another twelve months um, of liberty, mm. and I I don't know. COVID's taught all of us that things can change in a blink of an eye, so. You know, hopefully he's enjoying his liberty in the blue sky. Yes, and, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll find out what his uh, what his future will be in March 2023. Mm. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. It's nice to see you in person. <laughs> you too. That was Lauren O'Brien with Illegally Blonde. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. The information provided in Legally Blonde is for general information purposes only and should not be taken as professional advice. Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines, what it is, why it matters and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from nine on Newcastle Live.